0: This is the We Are Her podcast for survivors of abuse or assault to share their stories. I'm your host, Emily Kemp, and I'll be having a conversation with a different survivor each week. I want to be sure to include a strong trigger warning with this podcast. The content we discuss includes topics related to violence. Listener discretion is advised. her podcast. How are you feeling? Nervous. <laughs> Nervous. Yeah. I think that's pretty common and I appreciate you being really honest about that. Um, so we're just gonna, yeah, we're gonna take it slow and just have a conversation. And um, I know you want to kind of remain anonymous and I'll be referring to you uh from your We Are Her handle, which is Blue Writing. And if you want to kind of introduce yourself um as you know who you are on the blog and what's that been like for you, I think that's a great place to start.
1: Okay, um, so I have written, I guess, like, two, like, when you're on the, like, website, like, two, like, pages mm-hmm. full of stuff for the blog. I really like it. It's a nice, like, outlet, and it's, I really like reading other people's mm. posts. It's very, like, um, makes you feel like you're not alone, and it's nice. I like it. It's very therapeutic. Um yeah I don't know it was pretty crazy when I remember I first sent like my like first like email to Stevie I was like here's some submissions and Mm -hmm. she was like posted all of them (laughs) it was funny I was like I was like what because I thought it was probably gonna be either all like these are fine or like like no or like it was gonna be like
0: one and then it was like all of them and I was like that's awesome so it was like a pretty like accepting uh supportive experience we're like shit. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, well, I um, I think this is a great transition, and um, you know, the blog is a huge part of We Are Her, and now that we have this podcast, it's also becoming a really cool outlet for survivors to to share their stories. So, we just appreciate you so much for being on the podcast, and um. I guess, you know, I, I kind of want to just, you know, since you don't want to do a deeper introduction, just kind of open it up for you to start sharing whatever it is that you want to share in whatever order and however you want to do that. Okay, cool. Hello. Um, <laughs> No, it's um, okay. And we can take breaks whenever you need to. And okay. this is about you and whatever you need and however you need to share it. So there's no right or wrong way. <laughs>
1: Okay, so, um, I actually wrote down an outline to keep, yeah, so that I don't, like, go all over the place. Perfect. But, yeah, I guess, so, I kind of, like, wanted to talk about, um, like, one, like, I've had multiple, like, incidents throughout my life, but I just want to focus on, like, this one. Sure. Uh, and so, I don't know, like, you guys know, like, the Me Too movement. Yes. Um. I don't know if you've heard of hashtag churches too. No. But it's another like section of it of people who either like the abuser was from the church or a church leader or the church had to bury it, all kinds of stuff like that. Okay. And so this is, uh, there isn't really like, a lot of them actually are also in the messianic world. So then sometimes people we'll put hashtags in too, because I'm Jewish. Okay. But so I wanted to like focus on that, I guess, but um, yeah. So, Messianic Judaism is, like, this weird, like, section between Christians and Jews, and it's super small,
2: okay. and that
1: almost makes it kind of cult-like, and it really has a lot of, like, because of that, um, like, they have a very, like, here's their favorite people, and they can do no wrong, mm-hmm. and they're, like, pedestal, which is, like, super toxic, and there's just a lot of things with that in the community that I didn't actually realize until I got out of it. Sure. So yeah, but I literally so there's not a lot of youth in it. And so when I was fourteen I actually wound up moving states to go where the biggest youth group was. Okay. or youth group. So and I had like I was really good friends with everyone and there was this one guy that we literally everyone knew us as siblings. Like I spent Father's Day with their family. I like we literally were like best friends all the time. And, yeah, he actually then also later once wound up moving from his old house to across the street from my house when I moved in.
0: Wow, okay. So, like, close, your families are close, but also, like, physically close in proximity to you. Yeah. So a lot of interaction.
1: Yeah, like, a lot. (laughs) Okay. And so, anyway, so he used to... He, I didn't even realize that it was very, like, manipulative until afterwards, but he used to, like, he started doing this thing where he would, like, walk the, there's, like, a highway, not a highway, sorry, uh like, a, like, a busy road in between our two houses, and so um, he would, at night, he would go out there and he would be, like, texting and threatening to go jump on the road, and it was, like, I would always just be, like, I wasn't really necessarily, I know a lot of the other girls that he, that I found out later, like, he would be like, uh, they would be all like, oh, it's And I was just like, get your dumb ass inside. (laughs) And I was like, come here. And so um, at my house, like in my room, I had this one window with a window AC unit. And so it's the only window that didn't lock. And so he knew that because then he started coming over. Uh, and I, I would text him and be like, dumbass, come over. And so we'd just, like, hang out in my room, listen to music, whatever, just, like, chill for a while. Um, and it would normally, like, we'd hang out from, like, midnight to, like, 5 a.m. Because that's, like, when his parents woke up. And so I was trying to, like, distract him to not do something stupid.
0: Right. Yeah. So um, it sounds like that, too, is, like, a. I mean, it sounds like that has um that that was kind of manipulative you know there was definitely some intention behind sending those text messages and other people weren't addressing it as forwardly as you were and and you were the one to kind of open space up for him and he took advantage of that
1: yeah Yeah, I didn't even realize that. There's so many things that, like, after everything happened, I looked back and realized, like, we were super screwed up.
0: Right. But hindsight 2020, you know, in the moment, you're just trying to be a good friend and help your friend and be supportive. And and then, you know, sometimes you don't know until it's too
1: late. Yeah. Like, for instance, actually, so he had explained to me one time, he was just telling me, like, about experiences, and he told me, one night before this all happened, and I don't know why I didn't realize it at the time, but he essentially told me he assaulted three girls before me. Mm. But he he worded it in a weird way, and so I guess I didn't really understand it until he started saying the same thing about me too. Right. And so then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no. <laughs> right. So yeah. Uh, so one of the nights that... He, um, like came over through the window, blah, blah. He raped me. Um, and like he said a lot of like really like screwed up things too, like during everything. Like he would tell me that he was trying to fix me for a future husband and that it wasn't normal for a girl my age to not want to do these things. And he's saying he wanted to show me how much he loved me. And then he just was telling me a lot of things about me that he
2: liked.
1: everything, mm. which was like, so like, I wound up like shaving my head because like he loved my hair and I started having like panic attacks about my hair mm. for a really long time. And just like, yeah, so that was that was that whole night. Um, well, and I, yeah. I
0: really appreciate you sharing those details because I think we have stereotypes about what sexual assault and rape looks like, and it, um, yeah. you know, like you're walking down the street and someone jumps out from from behind a bush and there's a there's a struggle and a fight and you know and then there's an assault and 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 then they run away and you and you don't even know who this person is, but most sexual assault happens by someone, you know, and it can be very, um, manipulative in the way that you described where it makes it very confusing for that victim or survivor where it's like, well, they said so many nice things. How, how could that have been what happened to me, you know? Um, and that's mm-hmm. a tactic, like that's an intentional tactic to try and keep that person confused and from reporting. But I just really appreciate you sharing that piece. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was kind of a defining moment and where did things go from there?
1: Yeah, so actually, so it, it was the same, like, time period of, like, the midnight to, like, 5 a.m. that everything happened,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um. and so I remember when he left, like, 10 minutes later, you know, the time it took him to, like, get back to his house, because essentially he would stay out until his parents, just before his parents woke up, so they wouldn't know he has gone, right, and so he texted me uh, about how, like, I got him all riled up and all this stuff, and he was like, super, like, I was just, like, not, like, I literally just, like, didn't move for a full 12 hours, I <laughs> I sat there, and I was, like, what, and, yeah, I don't know, it was just a whole, it was a whole thing, and then I, yeah, so I wound up texting him and saying, like, this is not okay, like, but I was also, like, super confused, so I was, like, can we go back to how things were before, I was, right. like, you're, like, my brother, and, like, literally, uh, I probably should have said that earlier. Like, literally every, did I say everyone knew us about uh, siblings?
0: Yes, uh-huh, yeah. So it was, like, a very public, a very known, bo- like, strong bond yeah. that you had with him. And, and, you know, you were best friends.
1: Right. And so he, um, so, yes, yeah, so I texted him, and I was like, blah, blah, do we, and he admitted it, and he apologized. And it was, like, weird, and I was like, okay. But then he also continued to, um, he actually went out of town at the same time. So it was good because he started texting me that he wanted to come over again and all this stuff. And I was like, no, like, but so after those initial texts, uh, a week later, it was on a Thursday and then the next Tuesday, a youth group nights. And I told the youth leader and she told me she wished she could help me. And she said that she was, I don't remember what all, she said but she kind of just like brushed it off and ran off to a meeting and so i was like okay and so we talked in depth about it multiple other times too. and yes so first of all the so like i said with the the people being like on the messianic thing being super toxic with the golden people he was total golden boy worship team prior team like with everything and um so she actually wound up, cause I like, and I have also like texts again that showed between us that I was telling her, like he assaulted me. Like I don't feel comfortable going back and all this stuff. And she actually wound up trying to pray my fear away. Mm. Saying that uh she was like, I'm sorry you are, she said that she was sorry. She, yeah. She was like, I wish I, could. she was, I don't know. She just, like, tried to pray that way. She was, like, that I'm afraid of him. It sounds like yeah. she was
0: trying to put it on you. And, like, the responsibility for, you know, making things better was on you. and Not at all acknowledging, you know, the very real trauma that you went through. And just sort of saying, I'm sorry that happened to you. And what are you going to do about it? Right. And, like,
1: she literally was, like, like, I didn't have, um... Like my mom and I did not have a good relationship at the time, and she, like the youth leader, was literally like
0: my mom. Right. Well, and the way that you described this community being so tight knit and like a yeah. family environment, and and you went to someone that you trusted, um, and respected, and was was hoping would help you, and that did not happen. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So that happened, and um. Anyway, so he started coming. Um, up to the, the window at night the next like six months like all the time he would come and he'd try to get in he like I punched him in his face one time um and so that started happening and so I start I, blah, blah, blah. I started um like I already had some sleep issues but I literally physically would not be able to fall asleep until 5 a.m when I knew that right that's
0: your body full survival mode knowing exactly oh, yeah. what you needed to do to stay
1: safe yeah no I was literally like terrified yeah. like I've so many times on like I was like there's like a person and obviously she would be gone by the time they got there and it was just like it was like awful because <laughs> yeah. I like was sleeping and that's not good and I also had I was first of all it was my senior year I was all AP 30 to 40 hours a week, (laughs) but I had a lot of things to do that I needed sleep for, um, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, so he stayed the golden boy with everything, and actually, within three months after it happened, another girl in the youth group messaged me and told me that the same thing happened to her, Mm. Well, she didn't, okay, she didn't know what happened to me, but she said, she was like, you know, because people used to, like, talk, come to me a lot, because I don't know, I guess, You good listener? Yeah. She's like, "Hi, this happened to me," and I was like, "You know," and I was like, "There for him." We were talking about, but it was like frustrating that nothing was done, and so he's still in the position in the youth group to keep doing this. And that girl was literally—I was sixteen, and she was like fourteen, and he was eighteen at the time too it was a whole
0: thing. And then um, at that age, like even a few years makes a big difference, like developmentally 14 to 18 and even 16 to 18 oh, yeah. can be a big difference in your life and where you're at. And being that older person in a position, you know, of sort of authority and having a certain kind of reputation and people respecting that person, it puts them in like a prime spot to abuse that power. Oh yeah. No, I understand. I liked
1: I think you. The post was from you guys on your Instagram, where the one that said about as good as they are grooming victims, or good at grooming the other people. Yeah, the other people in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of that. Like especially with him, the whole situation, and yeah. But anyway, so because of how it was treated, I honestly didn't know I could go to the police or that I should. And so I about six months. Like, it was literally like on the anniversary. Like six months later, I had like just like a full-on breakdown, and I was in the phone with my friend. And I, like, everyone knew. Like I was literally, I was also in the worship team. I was also in a stuff. So when I dropped out, everyone was like, like everyone knew, but I no one knew why. So I broke down and I told my friend what happened, and she like helped me go to the police and was like telling me that I needed to do that. And I didn't even realize that what the youth theater did too was messed up as well and apparently it was actually also part of it because once we started the court case they said
0: that it was their mandatory reporters that's the thought I was having too you know a lot of people who are in uh their job if your job is to work with you know youths or people under the age of 18 you're usually always a mandatory reporter so the fact that she didn't is not just wrong it's illegal yeah so
1: when I so yeah so when I went to the uh, police, too, the problem was I, I couldn't, it, I struggled really bad to, because you, know, you have to tell them every little detail, and so I literally, <laughs> I kind of almost went into, like, child mode. They literally had to bring out, like, a doll, <laughs> because I was, creepy. and this was a whole thing, and, like, yeah, so then the detective, though, he was amazing, and, like, super great, and, like, <laughs> he told me he was like, I really wanted to arrest this person. It was funny. But he um actually wound up being able to arrest him because of the text. Mm-hmm. And so he um because of the text and then apparently he told me that when he went to their house, uh, he walked in and said this and his dad was there and he was there and he said, What's this about? And the detective looked at him and said why don't you tell
0: him, Tell him? And apparently he did. So oh. it was another thing. So he was an a of guilt right there. Yeah. So it was like, yeah. If, if he wasn't guilty, he would have been like, I don't know why this cop is in my living room. But the fact that he could, you know, yeah. guess, quote unquote, what it was about, yeah. really showed that he knew exactly what he did was wrong. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: So anyway, so he was arrested for, I don't remember how long, but it was just until they got like the bail mm-hmm. thing. And so then there's a lot of issues with the policing because because I wasn't able to fully speak everything. They weren't able to charge him with the full thing because they said it was, because they had to ask me, they said that asking what happened ne- happen next was prying or whatever. I don't think that was the term they used, but it was, there's like a legal term where they were saying that like, it doesn't, I don't know, that like it didn't.
0: Like opportunity loss, that ship has sailed. Like you can't go back and I thought that's so interesting and really messed up
1: <laughs> yeah it is and so that was like so they were only able to charge him with misdemeanor and they also had an issue because pursuing the mandatory reporter the uh because it was just a misdemeanor then they were only like because it was just a misdemeanor they um couldn't go to like I guess like a I don't know if there's like another level or whatever with the police because the youth group place is in one county and my house is another, Mm -hmm. and so the detective could only do things about what happened there. So he was trying to go after the mandatory recorder too, but he literally could not. And because the thing only happened here, it was like a whole thing. And then he tried because I texted her while I was at home, but it's still like he said it didn't. Out and that was he was really
0: frustrated about that, but um, yeah. So just ha- th- these rules are so antithetical to helping people that there are the it's just so like asinine boundary issues that prevent people from being able to get justice or you know seek help. That just makes it's so counterintuitive to what the justice system should be, and ugh, that's so frustrating.
1: Yeah, it's really ridiculous. It's like why. I don't know. I think it's like the system was almost built for rapists, and not the victims. <laughs> but yeah, so that happened, and so um, yep. Sorry, I'm completely blanking. Uh, That's totally okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. So that was the whole thing. So it was like very complicated and confusing. Um,
0: and I'm I'm assuming he didn't get any jail time, right? So. Did he just continue to, like, live across the street from you, or? Yeah, so I wound up,
1: um, I wound up actually moving in with a friend's family, and, um, about five hours away, um, after the things started going through, and, yeah, and I also, I want to say that I, so they gave me a so, first of all, they said that I didn't get a victim's advocate because it is only being charged with misdemeanor. But I was like, I just need someone to explain what the hell is going on because I was getting the subpoenas. And I was like, what the fuck's happening? No one was explaining anything to me. And so <laughs> I showed up at the courthouse. And first of all, the first thing I went to was the victim's advocate center. But that was in the side. And they said, this is only misdemeanor. You're not allowed in this building. Hmm. Because, yeah, I was like, okay, so what do I do? And so I went over to the. The people who charge them. Oh, the prosecutor's so, office. Yeah, went to the prosecutor's office. I, <laughs> I, was just like sobbing, and I was like, "I need someone to explain to me what the hell is going on." And so finally, they brought a victim was, like, over and like mm. talked to me, but she didn't even totally explain everything, and it was super still confusing. And then every time I tried to call for a question or um, because of updates of things I was getting. Um, they either wouldn't pick up or I'd leave a message and they would never call me back. And I was over and over again just trying to figure out what was going on. And so, um, eventually, finally, because I pushed really hard, they, um, I finally got like a phone, uh, they said I could do like a phone call, um, conference with the advocate and the prosecutor. And so they finally explained to me like what was going on. And so, They asked me, you know, if I wanted to go to trial or if I wanted to, um, like, settle, like, what I wanted to do. Which, even though they said that the whole charging him was not up to me because I was a minor. Mm. But they asked me, and I was like, I don't really want to go to a trial because that's a lot. But I was like, but what do you think is, like, the best to, like... Like, what are your options? Yeah, and so we wound up settling. And so he said he would plead guilty if we just took off the word sexual. So instead of sexual assault, it was just assault. Huh. So, yeah, and I was, like, that was, like, what he wanted. And so I was, like, Hmm. okay. So he has it, and then he got probation for six months. (laughs) And he got, um, supposedly, he was supposed to get a, it was called a sexual deviance, like, testing like, um, and that's it, and then, uh, need a one-year, um, no contact order, but that's it. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that's not, that's not justice, and it would leave you feeling so unsafe. I mean, this person lived across the street from you, so it makes total sense why you wanted to move five hours away to get some level of safety. Yeah, he also, like, so when they went after
1: cuz they were they tried to go to the the synagogue and say like the like detective before the case started was like filed um and they refused to talk to him they like uh literally he went there like 10 times and they wouldn't speak to him and so that was another part of it because they also you know they he actually went farther up in the like leadership over those times so not only were they Trying to like shove it away and like bury it. They also were literally like making him more of a golden boy. Mm. So I was like, what the? Fuck?
0: <laughs> and this is a community that's supposed to love you and support you yeah. and be a home for you. These are supposed to be like your people, and yeah, they and not they, only abandoned you, but they sort of threw you under the bus.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like we're gonna be like and like lift him up and throw you in the garbage. <laughs> yeah. So yeah and then so any oh so after the um just right after the court case started after he was arrested the first time um he started telling everyone in the youth group and in the like youth that i was um that i was filing charges against him and that i just like that i made it up that what happened was like consensual and that i just felt guilty afterwards and all this crap and so all of the youth group, not only on top of me not being able to go because of that, they started uh, harassing me, calling me a slut. Um, I had lost literally all of my friends because they all took his side and texted me like, how could you do this? And all this like really shitty stuff. And so literally like lost like everyone. And like, it was horrible. <laughs> so it was like, on top of that, it was just like, let's just keep adding on to like all the things. and It almost, at most of the time, it made me feel like I shouldn't have said anything because then everything would just fine. But then it was like, no, because then, you know, there's another girl within the next six months, and he actually is now not allowed at the synagogue, but now he's in a big, hel- a big, um, a mega church, which mm-hmm. now he has, he has like more people, but... Um, and all he- these pieces that
0: you're talking about and that you're speaking to, are they you know, people ask the question, like, well, why didn't you just go to the police? Like, why didn't you just report this person? And it's like, you know, when you actually dig into people's stories and really hear how hard and traumatizing it was for them, it's like, no wonder people don't report. Yeah, no. And they actually, when,
1: um, when I went through the reporting, and I just say, the detective that wound up taking over my case was incredible. He was great. But the person who interviewed me, they, they didn't have any female detectives. And so I was like, I can't talk to a guy about all this. So they brought in um, a lady who she wasn't exactly trained and she continuously kept saying like, what were you wearing? What were like, she, like interrupt me and say that. And like, and then she started saying, um, you know, why did, why did you wait six months? Why did you blah, blah, blah. And so my reaction was literally like, I didn't know I was supposed to, I didn't know I could like, because this is what happened with theater. And so that's when that stuff start started. So it was like, Yeah, I don't know. It was just, like, a bunch of things over and
2: over again. Mm -hmm.
1: But, yeah. And then it's just frustrating because then there was another girl in the youth group, you know, not within three months of this happening. And so it's like, who else? And then her older sister uh, later on, too, was like, there's just, like, so many people. Do you know if they ended up uh, coming forward at all? Or did they sort of keep it Okay, No, because I told the police officer, but it was on Snapchat, so I didn't have the text still Mm -hmm. between me and the girl. But you know, I told them because they asked if I knew anyone else, and so they went to her, and she denied it. So, mm. which is
0: okay. Like,
1: yeah, hundred
0: percent. But um, yeah, I think it just speaks to how scared people are, and how oh, yeah, and she, you know, she was probably watching you go through the experience and think, oh, heck no, <laughs> I'm not saying yeah. anything. <laughs> you know, um, and and that all just just creates this culture of silence around reporting and I totally understand why someone would not want to
1: to do that but I was just kind of curious yeah. yeah so yeah um but yeah and then also I did have some people though in the leadership um actually because I was about to move to again to another state and um this uh rabbi up there who I've known since I was little he like pulled me aside uh, one weekend and he was like do you need anything? Like we're here and it was really nice. Um, and he was like really upset about it and he actually was so they at least they had like a big meeting thing or whatever with all the rabbis about whether or not they should like kick out the youth leader and all this crap, but you know, obviously it didn't happen, but they um he was very, very like upset for me, which at least there's one person that
0: was like there. Yeah. Which is not justice, but it does make a difference when there's like someone, just even one person who can you know, yeah. be kind and compassionate and believe you and listen and support. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, you know, you moved yep. out of state. Yep. So that's where we're at. I mean, you moved out of state. And then c- kind of what did your life look like after that?
1: So, uh for a long time, I actually wound up, the family that I moved in with, they were also like a Messianic rabbi. And so I had to, while I lived with them, I had to go to synagogue every Saturday. And I would stress vomit every Saturday because, like, I could not handle it. And it's not that was even there. It was like any place of religion just made me so sick and so, and like terrified. And so that was just like really, like, just like re traumatizing. And then, so like, that was like awful. But I'm finally like, I'm not in a place where I'm forced to go to any place of religion right now. So that's good. I'm like working on getting my own place. But, um, yeah, that was like awful. And I was, for a long time, just had like a lot of like issues. Like, right now, I'm growing my hair back from being shaved because of the whole thing. Like, I'm, it's just lots of things. I actually wound up like, so like, sorry, like backtracking. Yeah, that's okay. Before, oh, actually, two things. Before this happened, he actually knew about the stuff that happened to me as a kid, too. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like, I don't know, more screwed up. But um, I, yep, Uh, so I, since I was, like, really little, had struggled with an eating disorder. And, uh, like, from, like, age of six on. And then when I was 10, like, started struggling with, like, self-harming. And so I had been, like, okay for a while with those things. And then this happened, and it was, like, really bad. It was, like, the worst it had ever been. I, like, I dropped, and, like almost 59 and i would drop down to like 75. <laughs> it was bad. And so like it was a whole thing. And so that was like a big part of like just how i coped with everything for a really long time. I'm actually finally like uh, like better with that stuff, but it was it took a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah. I- and i think there are misconceptions around um some of those coping mechanisms and why people do them you know like oh they just want to meet some sort of beauty standard or whatever and it's so much more about like i know a lot of um survivors who have struggled with similar issues and it's because when someone takes your power and control away you are looking to try and control something in your life and for a yeah. lot of people they can control that they couldn't control yeah. what happened to them, but they can control like what they put in their body and or not put in their body. Um, and so it's a struggle to try and and find your own strength and power again. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that was the thing.
1: <laughs> but yeah, a lot of people think it's not that, and it's like I don't know. A lot, there there are a lot of misconceptions around both of those things, and like yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but.
0: No, that's okay. I I really appreciate you sharing that. I think it again just shows how, you know, something like an assault happens and it's not like, okay, well now I just get over it and move on with my life. Like there are there's a ripple effect that can um have a devastating impact on people for a long period of time. Yeah, no, I mean
1: I finally am actually like like sleeping at night, but like it took a long time and like I still have nightmares, I still am finally on like medication so that are working like that's good, but it's still like like that stuff doesn't just go away. You know, and so actually for a long time too afterwards I started um like binding. Um just because I would have like these physical flashbacks like all the time. Um if anything like brushed up against my chest, I would have like huge meltdowns. And so I started doing that too for a long time, which actually left me like bruised and bleeding a lot because I had it so tight. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. There's just a lot of things with it that, like, yeah, I don't know. And, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, it's just a lot of things. It just doesn't go away. But it, it does get better, <laughs> but it doesn't, like, disappear.
0: Right. You just learn how to, like, develop better coping techniques and um, find healthier ways to kind of deal with things and move towards healing. And so I'm curious, and I would love to hear more about like what that process has looked like and felt like for you.
1: Yeah. Um, so writing has been a big thing for me. I'm actually writing a poetry book. Love that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I like, I actually have a t- n- Never mind. Uh, but Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, I... Yeah, writing has been a big thing for me. Um, it always has been. I mean, I literally, the, um, right after it happened and I was sitting, you know, I like was sitting for just like the full day, like, and just like didn't move. I actually wrote like five poems on my phone <laughs> while I was sitting. Yeah, because I, like I was just like, what the fuck? And so, yeah, I don't know it's been a lot of writing and a lot of like, I guess what I've been learning also to just, like, to, so, okay, so my therapist, actually, I don't, so my therapist told me, actually, she kind of, like, put it in a way that I didn't think about, and she was saying how, like, if I'm hurting myself because of, like, others, I'm just adding more hurt to myself, and so I'm not, like, facing the problem, and just making it worse, and so she was like, so why would you allow them to, like, double hurt you, and I was like, I don't know, good question. Yeah. <laughs> but um oh therapy
0: yes so helpful and so hard sometimes
1: yeah I really liked um my last therapist was really great but um yeah I don't know it's just been a lot of writing it's been a lot of just like time because for me sometimes it wasn't even just like like sometimes like it started the self-harming with when I had a meltdown or flashback like only like at like really bad times and it wound up after this becoming like a daily thing and like multiple times a day at times and so it was like I like I know it was like it was like an addiction and it was like the only way I could go throughout the day and so for a while it just happened with like just like for a long time to get out of it it was like just like being, doing a lot of things to make sure that like I just like wasn't doing it, so that I didn't have like that. And then after that, it was then working on the when these when the big meltdowns happen, what do I do to like so replace it, was, like, it with
0: something else?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, writing has been a big thing, or talking to someone, or um just kind of distracting a lot has been really good for me. But um, I I go running too a lot. I love running. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, like, a lot of it was just time. And it's not even, like, like I'm not, like, 10 years out of this or anything. I'm, like, like four years out of this. So it's not even that crazy long. But, like, it um, – but, like, just – I mean, even, like, I remember, like, the first, like, six months of, like, not doing anything was, like, a big deal. And it was, like, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, to ce- and to be able to celebrate <laughs> – celebrate those milestones. <laughs> like, you know, you don't just – arrive one day at being perfectly healed. And so, you know, the journey is nonlinear. It goes up and down. But when you do make baby steps and you are making progress, taking time to celebrate and and to, you know, like, and to mark those really important baby steps and to congratulate yourself and to love on yourself, um, I think we forget about that. We're just like, oh, why am I not farther along? And why am I not doing better? And if we take a step backwards, we shit on ourselves and, like, beat ourselves up about it. Um, but then when we take a baby step forward, we don't like celebrate very much. Um, so I really appreciate that perspective of like, you know, it was six months and I didn't self harm. Like, that's a big deal. So here here you are today, you're like still making progress and taking those baby steps. Um, and I'm curious to know if you had anything that you wanted to share for any survivor who might be listening. I don't know, I guess,
1: um, oh, I know, I have something, okay, so, yeah, um, I kind of wanted to, like, touch on, because, like, the, yep, English, um, you know, I was saying, like, churches, too, the hashtag churches, oh, yes. too, mm-hmm. so, I just, like, I don't know, people, like, who have been in so situations with, like, the church or synagogues, like, making it worse and stuff, like, I don't know, just to not feel alone, to know it's, like, a thing. Like, it's not just, like, oh, one or two, but, like, like it's a big thing. Like, I've found over time, like, that there's, like, a lot of people, like, who've been in very similar situations. Like, so it's just to know that you're not alone, and also to write, <laughs> uh, find any way you can. I actually used to, like, sometimes I would just feel like I have to scream, so I'd go. And... I would like go to like our pool outside and I just like sit on the bottom of the pool and scream <laughs> because no one could hear me.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. I scream in a car sometimes with the doors closed and I'm like, I'm, hopefully no one hears me or they think I'm like a crazy lady sitting in this parking lot scream crying. But yeah. Oh, I love the pool idea. That's great. That's funny.
1: Yeah. That or like, um, I've done, uh, when I used to lit, be a, uh, in a big city, if you, if you see like the subway going like this and as soon as it starts like running fast if you scream into it no one can hear it cool (laughs) Uh, I actually I saw that on a tv show and then I tried it and I was like wow
0: (laughs) (laughs) I want to start like some sort of blog where we can get people to share all of the creative ways that they have found to scream and and not get noticed (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> we are her community <laughs> how, 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 do, how do you get away with screaming great and then on the instagram <laughs>
2: that's funny oh my
0: god <laughs> yeah what I'm kind of hearing is this this idea of like maybe like don't be afraid to speak up or use your voice and I'm I'm wondering yeah. like based on your experience even though I, I heard I saw you kind of starting to say it might not go well even though for yeah. your experience it didn't always go the way that it should have. I'm wondering to know, like, do you still feel, I mean, like, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like it was worth it? Do you feel like, are you proud that you still stood up or? I don't
1: know if I am part of me almost thinks that I should have never said anything, but at the same time, um, I would have never left that toxic community if I hadn't gone through all of that. And I don't know where on earth I would be if I was still there because I mean, there's so many things with that, too, like, they, um, I'm also gay, and, like, that's a big thing, and then, like, as you were older, like, that's a big no-no, and, like, they, there's just, like, so many things that were so toxic, and I never was one of the favorites that they had in their little thing, so you almost always felt, like, an outsider, but also then there were times where, like, everything just seemed so perfect, and it was, like, I don't know, it was weird. It's it's a very strange community, and it's very, like, I don't know, it was just really toxic, and, like, I don't know, for, like, anyone who's, like, in a situation like that, like, don't be afraid to, like, leave the community, and for a long time, like, I was, like, so upset about leaving, because it was my whole world, my whole life, and so, like, I was really upset about leaving. I would always, I would try to go back in different ways, and, like, um, now I don't even think about it, like, I don't, I don't ever want to go back to a place like that, and I, like, um, I don't know, it just opened a lot of, like, things, and, like, I, over time, realized more and more how toxic it was with lots of things like that, and also, like, they, um, actually one thing that the youth theater said at one point was that, uh, someone asked if she thought that, um, that you know, trauma or things like that were a were because was a punishment for something, Mm. and she yes, and so that was a whole thing too that they taught about that if something bad happens to you, it's probably because you did something bad, and that's why like God's punishing you somehow. Yeah, and I was like no, (laughs) and so I don't know. There's just a lot of really toxic things that like I don't know maybe if you're in like a super closed religious community or if you're in the messianic world to like and maybe take, take a step back <laughs> yeah. and see all the things and see if it's still like a
0: safe place to be. I don't know, Right. And I, I don't know a lot about the messianic world, but I do know that. Yeah, no you one. Know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, you know. No one I'm, doesn't enter in it. <laughs> I'm going to do some Googling after this. Um, But I do think that there are a lot of religious communities out there and non-religious communities. And I think people, it's like very, very much a part of human nature to crave being in a community with other people. And so it's super traumatic to lose that, regardless of like the toxicity and some of the problems you were having. you were talking about how it was your whole world and those that sense of community is being totally stripped away, and then you're just kind of left on your own like that's incredibly traumatic and i um I just want to throw out there that like if you are a survivor and you are looking for community, there are places that will receive you um i mean the the we are her community is predominantly online, which can be pretty safe for folks um but there are often you know other resources, like, in person, locally, that you can get connected to, whether those are support groups, or non-religious communities, like the Universalist Unitarians, or whatever, there are other places that you can get plugged in and feel really supported, and, um, yeah, I just think that that's, that's an important message.
1: Yeah, I don't know if, like, where people live, but you can, like, I go to a women's center here, um, and they have- like, for free, and they also, you can actually get therapy for free there. Wonderful. Um, You're a Survivor, yeah, so, like, that was a really nice, like, I love the online We Are Her community, and then the group in person, too, has always been, like, really great, and I love that, so I don't know if that's available everywhere, but mm-hmm. it's worth, it to like, look it up.
0: Yeah, all right, well, do you have any final thoughts for us before we kind of wrap up? Anything else? Yeah. okay. <laughs> My- my brain is still going blank. <laughs> That's all right. And I think it. I mean, I do do. I think maybe an important piece too to touch on is like you know I know you keep saying like sorry, sorry, my brain's going blank. But I think it can be really hard for people to go back into these traumatic spaces and kind of blanking out or disassociating or remembering things in bits and pieces or non-linearly. Like that is all a very normal <laughs> response. And I I hope you don't feel embarrassed about it. I think it's a really I appreciate how raw and honest you're being and you're not trying to like perform like you're telling your story and it's coming out sometimes in bits and pieces or you're blanking out and like that is a very normal response when you're trying to unpack trauma yeah
1: do you actually do you know what um I I always forget which one it is I don't remember if it's depersonalization disorder
0: or derealization disorder but do Mm -hmm. you know what that is yes yeah but if you want to explain I think that'd be great
1: yeah oh okay so I, so I actually developed it, so I have CPTSD and PTSD, and so from, like, my childhood stuff, and then my, like, PTSD is mainly just from, like, this situation. It was, like, a big after, and um, so I feel like I'm, like, I'm dreaming a lot of the time, almost. You're, like, kind of, like, floating, and it's, like, you're just very, like, detached, and, like, I mean, like, there are times, like, when it's depersonalization where you don't feel attached to, like, in your body at all. And then the derealization is just like being detached from like things around you. And so, and it literally has been like a constant thing. It was like, I liked how my therapist like said it, she was like, you, um, your brain just like parachuted out for safety. And like, even though like you're safe now or whatever, like my brain is still just like, Nope. And so, and there's like not a lot of like treatments for it, but it's, I don't know, it's just, like, a. it's weird, because it's, like, I don't know, it's, like, this really weird, just, like, feeling of just floating all the time, that you're not, that, like, nothing is real, almost, and so, yeah, I don't know, it's, like, it's weird, it's, like, there are things that you want to experience, but when you're experiencing them, you don't, you're, like, not there, like, laughing at my cousins and stuff is, like, weird, and, like, I don't know, it's weird, it almost brings on, like, Depression more sometimes because you're like I can't feel all the good things, and so I don't know. It's like weird. It's it actually is though better than when it started for me because I'm no longer having like the depersonalization things where I'm like completely detached from myself unless something like really triggering happens. Mm-hmm. But I'm still very like floaty. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the time. But yeah, I don't know. There's actually if you could look up on YouTube, Doty Clark um, D de- realization disorder video. She has one with a therapist that is how I explain to people that I just send them that video, but that, yeah. So I try to explain the best I could, but she explains it much better. So
0: if you want to know what that is, there's so. <laughs> Love me some resources, but, and really like, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and so like raw and real and open. I think, um, it's really helpful for other survivors and non-survivors you know, just like the lay person to become more educated and get a deeper understanding. And it's one thing to like read an article about it. And it's another thing to like hear someone's personal story and that resonates so much deeper with folks. And so I just so appreciate you willing to share and be on the podcast. For for, for those of you listening, she's giving a thumbs up through the Zoom video. (laughs) You can't hear thumbs up. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, That's thank funny. you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm
1: like, what? It's still like weird that I'm like here. I'm like, hi. What? Yeah. I don't know. it's just, like weird. I and mean, it feels very like insignificant.
0: And then it was like, you on the thing. And I was like, what? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal to share your story. It's a big deal. And I, I like this format though, because it's really safe for people you can do it like in the safety of your own home and um you can be anonymous and no one can see who you are and um yeah which I do want to
1: say I like I wish I could be honest but it's mostly just because the community is so very like right at me like so I'm like the reason I'm like anonymous is more so just for my own safety from it because there's like a lot of like like it's still like a big thing going on throughout it but like because I'm not there I don't see it all the time but like it's
0: and that's a reality a lot of survivors live with it's not always safe to be public um with your stories so I I'm just so glad that we have this opportunity
1: yeah me too it's really cool and I like like I have a I have an anonymous yeah Instagram that's with the same handle and that is, like, I will, like, there's, like, two people that are, like, really close to me that I've, like, let them, like, follow it, and, like, um, like, I <laughs> they read my, we her stuff and it's funny, they, like, check it all the time, they'll text me about it, and it's, like, sweet, but, like, yeah, I don't know what I was going with that.
0: Putting, putting your story out there, getting supported by people, super important. Yes. More thumbs your, ups. Up <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it, I love it so much. Um, well, with that, I think we're going to wrap up, but, um, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. Bye blue Riding. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Be sure to subscribe and don't forget to check out our online community at weareher.net. If you or someone you know has experienced abuse or assault, you can always call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233.